All right, everybody, we are back for another episode of Demand Excellence. And today I have Coach Justin Rogers on the podcast, and he just won the state championship at Thomas County Central. Uh, He's been there for two years, turned the program around. Before that, he had a really successful run at Colquitt County where he went 26-7. and And then before that, he had a really successful run at Jones County where he went 45-15. and So here he is, a proven winner. And coach, talk a little bit about your journey from Jones County and then what it was like at Colquitt. And then here you are at Thomas County Central. Yeah, I've, I've been I've been really blessed you know, to be able to go to places that just really football was important and uh, a premium was placed on football. I mean, even before I you know, got my first head job, we were at Griffin with Coach Divorce and, and football was important and then go to Jones. You know, Mr. Chuck Gibson just did so much to to elevate there. And then uh, Concord County at Moultrie just speaks for itself of a place that's so driven on football and it makes so many great decisions to to have such a great program with great facilities and, and be able to put together great coaches. And then, you know, I was you know just so excited for this opportunity to come to Central where they wanted to get it back to the way it used to be because... You know, Thomas County Central is one of those programs that the state of Georgia, you know, it's just really better when they're good. I mean, because everybody thinks of that program as a a dominant program in the state that it kind of just fell on some hard times with the new administration just really wanted it to be great. And so coming here, being again, yet again, at a place where the administration is aligned and, and wants to be great. So all three of those spots, being fortunate enough to coach at those areas, I know, you know, sometimes coaches can get frustrated to to where they feel like maybe they don't have the support or or have the backing to to really chase and be as good as you can be. I never felt that way at any of the spots I've been at. Coach, you kind of remind me of Andy Reid a little bit. You know, he's at Philadelphia, had really, really successful runs there, but but never won the Super Bowl. And he didn't really you know, even though he's the same coach, but he, he finally won the Super Bowl when he goes when he gets at Kansas City. You're similar, you know, like you've been coaching for a long time, just had a tremendous run of success. But your first state championship came in 2023, which is this past football season. You know, talk about like I think a lot of coaches you get into coaching, you're a head coach, and man, that's your goal, right? I want to win a state championship. You're doing everything in your power to get it. You've been close. In the, in the past, didn't get there. Talk a little bit about, or give some encouraging words about just staying the course. Yeah, no doubt. Now, I hope I, I hope I can have a run like Andy Reid. That'd, that'd be something special right there. Yeah, I'm thinking you're going to after watching. So that that would be awesome. But you know, consistency. I mean, you know, you you. I'm a big reader, so I I wake up every morning. I read. So I've read a plethora of books. I love reading books. And, and all your great ones, all your dominant ones, and, and not only coaches, but players, you know, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady stuff. And it's it's the doing the the boring, doing the basics, and, and trying to stay at a high level at those and not get bored with them over a long period of time. I mean, I think that, you know, we want success to be sexy and 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 to be great, to be this magic pill when when it's really just doing the the basics at a high level consistently, especially for young people. But then getting back to success we've had here, and it kind of 
kind of taken off is is fit. I think so much in life is about fit. There's a lot of great coaches and there's a lot of great players, but it you have to marry the fit, the the coach. You know, let's let's use the Andy Reid situation. He's just to me, he's a better fit with the Chiefs. His personality, his laid back, his creativeness is all better there than where. Philadelphia is more thought of as a hard nose, you know, physical it, personality growth. So sometimes I th- I just really think fit matters so much in this world, and 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 sometimes you're better served just slightly different in a different area or a different place. Yeah, let's get into the details of fit. So you you leave Coquit and you go to Thomas County Central. They they were five and six, yeah, five and six the year before you got there. You take over pretty much in January. What are the things that you started doing to turn that program around? Because I I'm very interested in it because you took a five and six team to twelve and one, and I mean I watched every state championship game this year, and I thought you had the best team in the state any classification. So what are the things you started doing? and focusing on day one when you got there to change the program? Well, the the biggest thing is, though, they had good players. You know, I mean, we all know that in coaching. you you got to have some good players, and we had good players. I would be remiss if I didn't say we were very blessed to put together a really good staff. And I was able to kind of get some guys down here, some offensive guys that followed me from Moultrie, and be able to put together a defensive staff that's just out of this world through some additions there that that made a huge impact too. But as far as, you know, as with our team, I think the biggest thing is just getting a transitioning from hoping they could win to expecting to win and, and really changing the mental mindset of our locker room because they had kind of fallen on, you know, four or five, you know, pretty rough years of 500, you know, football. And then the last year that came off, you know, really, really bad loss in the playoffs. And so you could tell the confidence was broken. And in sports, it's such a mental game. Oh, my God. It's, it is, it is way, it's 80% mental, in my opinion, just that belief system. And so that was a big deal is being able to try to get a, a swagger and a confidence. But before you could even get that, you know, because that kind of comes with, with later on when you get to competing. We had to create a standard here and and, and create a, a work ethic with our core values that we believe in and and really establish a foundation of behavior because I think that had got fractured as well. You know, sometimes you get a new new blood in here, you can kind of re hit the reset. I think we was able to hit the reset and start from the bottom up, and the kids were hungry to do that. We go and play Perry in the spring game that first year. You know, and, and you just never know how those are going to go. You right. you don't know how spring games are going to go, how they're going to turn out. Kevin Smith is an unbelievable coach at Perry and had built a great program, and it's all I could find for a spring game. And, you know, good Lord blessed us, and we played really, really well that night, really well, and uh, had a great spring game, really moved the ball well and and played great. And that really catapulted us in the summer to where these kids believed. And they were starting to realize some affirmation for their work. And then when we come out and play Cairo in game one of year one, well, that's a big rival here. That's a that's a battle for the bucket. And uh, and that means something in this community. And they had, had a hard time with them. 
and we come out and had you know the biggest win in series history, then it was kind of on. Because at yeah. that point now, they went from not hoping but truly believing. And I always, I always equate it back to a diet. You know, if I go on a diet, if you put me on a diet to lose weight and I'm doing everything you're telling me to do to lose weight, and I know this is, is sometimes as coaches, we hate to hear this, but it's just the truth that, you know, hey, if you do this, if you do that, if you do it, and, and they do it, and then you're on this diet and you don't lose no weight, well, you're going to get off that deck and die. I mean, I ain't going to really believe in this diet no more, but if I'm losing some weight, then I'm going to stay with it. Like I got affirmation this works. And so many times as coaches, I, I know it, you hate it, but the scoreboard matters and you got to get some wins because when they see that, that, yeah, what they're doing, the work ethic, the way that we do things, the way that we restructure stuff and, and go is producing the results that you wanted, then it's a lot easier to push and it's a lot easier to buy in with that affirmation. Without that, it does get difficult. And, and, and that, that's where it's hard is when you're doing all the right things and still it's slipping through your fingers and it happens. I mean, hard, hard work doesn't guarantee success, but for these young people, it's very important that you get a taste of it because I, and, and that's what matters. So we were able to do that early. And I think that made a huge impact, huge impact to getting this thing rolling is early success. Yeah. So coach, talk a little bit about, you said fit, right? You just fit. So obviously you feel like you fit the culture, the community at Thomas County Central, maybe better than anywhere else you've been. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but you just said it with conviction, like fit is so important. Talk about your personality and you and how that meshes so well at Thomas County Central. Yeah, and then and then I would I would be amiss if I didn't include timing as well. I mean, I think yeah. I think it's a combination of fit and timing, and and you kind of got to have both of those things for for a situation to really take off and and be a great situation. And so here, you know, come in and we'll back up, you know, because everybody you know, knows you know going to Moultrie. A, another rural place that loves football. You know, I'm a country boy from South Alabama, so that you know seems like a great fit for me. You know, so that's why we chose to go there. Timing in that situation wasn't great, and so you know everybody knew I was coming in after of uh, Coach Probes and and all the of uh, controversy and kind of turmoil that was left there in that community. You know, whether you liked him or you didn't, it didn't have anything to do with me. And so that was still kind of fractured. And so we come in there and we coach and we get through the first year and have a good year and get in, get in there really late and, and have a successful year that year. And then again, because again, talk about timing, timing matters. We go into a worldwide pandemic, 2020. Yeah. So kind of hard because I'm a relationship person. I believe in being part of the community, getting out in the community, being a vested member of the community. I still think that the role of head football coach is important in towns. And so in 2020, not having the opportunity to kind of do that, to build those relationships and to be able to cultivate that really hindered the the growth, the belief, the buy-in, all the above, you know, there. And so come back to Central, you know, the job comes open. It came open when I was at Jones County. 
Okay, it was the last time it was open when they when they hired Coach Henderson. And we had had some success at Jones, and I'd always remembered Central when I was at Harris playing them in the region. And I remember telling my wife, even at Jones, I said, I always thought that'd be a great job and that'd be a great yeah. situation. That Thomasville is such a great town. They love football. It's a great place to live and raise a family. And just, man, I think that'd be a great opportunity. And we kicked the tires on maybe applying then, but just... We didn't think the timing was right. We really enjoyed our time at Jones, and so we did. So now you fast forward, you know, five, six years later, and it's open again right down from, I mean, 25 minutes down from where we're living. And so at that time, we thought that maybe the timing was right now, that maybe, you know, good Lord opened that up for us, and that, that is where we was meant to be. So we went to hear them out, and as soon as I met the administration and superintendent, I realized real quick, like this was a, a place that I would really could see myself calling home and was just so excited and very fortunate that, you know, they selected me to be the head football coach and and still feel that way. Man, I feel like the luckiest man, you know, getting to have that second opportunity to come here because it's a place I thought would be great fit for me. And, uh, and it is. It checks all the boxes. It's a uh, blue collar, middle class uh, type student and clientele, which is a just great working working man. It's got great administration that supports us and and gives us everything. We, we're breaking ground next week on a brand new indoor facility, weight room, cafeteria, locker room, field house, you name it. Everything we had at Moultrie's, you know, we'll have here. And so we break ground on that in about a 17-month build for that. Great town. Just a great town. Very uh, family-oriented town. I've got an eight-year-old and I got a five-year-old. I started late in life, kind of raising a family with my wife now. And and so, you know, our plan is we're going to set up some roots right here and let them go deep and, and, and kind of get into this thing. And so feel very invested in this community. And so the fit and the timing, because it was a timing here where they were hungry. They, they wanted to see this thing get back. And so the support from day one, both through... Just, just some support through time and effort, but also support financially. And the program was just, just there when you got here. And uh, our crowds, man. Uh, hey, apparently our crowd has then got notorious this year. Now, you know, with the horns and all, and so the support and love from them because of them being so hungry was just unbelievable right from the jump. And so the fit and the timing of everything just kind of married up really nice with us. And then vice versa, I think in the other community, I think I think Coach Calhoun, Sean is just doing a phenomenal job in Moultrie. I think he is a wonderful fit. And I think the timing was great for him to have a buffer. And now that's truly his program. And Sean's going to do great there because he is a great coach and a great man. And so I always tell people, you know, in, in football, there's a winner and a loser. But in life, there's not always winners and losers. You know, sometimes everybody wins. And I felt like in this situation for both programs, everybody won. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Coach, let's talk about your championship run this year. You know, obviously there in 2022, you guys went 12-1. and one. So talk a little bit about, you know, from that last game to the start of this football season. I mean, did you feel – hey, like we got something really special. Just kind of talk about the progression in the offseason leading up to such a special year. Yeah, it was uh, – now, the the last game last year, we we knew we had a good ball team that first year. We're playing at a very high level. 
And so we play Roswell in the quarterfinals. And what a lot of people, you know, don't know, we're up 31-13 at halftime, bud. And we feel pretty good moving on to the semis. And then in the third, it was just a weird flute play that happened. And they were able to hold on to the ball. It was like one of those juggling catches deal where both guys had it, and they wound up getting it tight rope, stayed inside, and stayed in bounds, and ran down and scored. Kicked off to us. We fumbled the kickoff. They got it inside the 10, round up scoring. And then we wound up going three and out, and they got the ball, drove down, scored. And we just could not get a play to stop momentum. And hats off to Roswell. And, boy, he does a great job over there and has done an unbelievable job building that program. And, and so they come out with a win. I have to tell that story because what that did, though, while we we sulked in our feelings and cried and felt awful about it, when we got ready to start in January for the offseason, these, these boys that we had coming back, they knew they belonged. You know, not taking anything away from Roswell, we knew we did not play our best ball. We knew we belong at that level. We can compete at that level. So now where the year before we wasn't quite there in January, this bunch come January offseason, they knew they, they should be there. They belong there. They let one slip out, and they were hungry not to allow that happen. So they were very player-driven, a very tight group. And we thought we could be good. We really did. We just didn't know how good. You lost some big pieces. We had a new quarterback coming in. And uh, and so you kind of wondered, lost two big time receivers, and so you you wasn't sure, but you, what you did have is connected connectivity, and the the group was tight together, and they 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 expected to be good, and so it just kind of snowballed from a great spring to a great summer. We had a great start of the first half of the season, playing very well at a high level. When we played really good against Bainbridge this year, which was a great football team, I think it kind of kind of sent us to another level. And then when we had the game we had against Houston and Lee, you know, it really once you had those two games that got past our region, and you get out of our region, brother, you did something. That's that's something to say just right there. And so once they did that, I think that's when the confidence got to an all-time high and we hit the playoffs peaking at the right time. But while we were peaking to play, we had been a tight, tight, just family-oriented group the whole time. Like, this was one of the most unselfish teams I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of some really good teams that were unselfish. That's not a knock on any other team I've ever had because we've, we've been blessed with some really good boys over the years. This team, though, truly did not care about a stat book who got credit. They only wanted to win as a group. And, and that was special. And I think it was inspiring for us as coaches because that's a trait that you just readily don't see as much of in our society and the disease of me now that's in our society. So that was cool. That was awesome to see that in these young people and how they they had bought in to the, the team first mentality. And we all say that, and it's a great slogan, but it was great to see a group of guys really buy into it and sell out to it. Talk about, you know, talk about the unselfish team. So talk about who you were offensively this year in, and, and, and then how, with what you were doing offensively, your team was unselfish. Yeah, it, uh, we were, we're still the same offense we've been for you know, quite a few years now. We're, we're going to be 10, 11, and 12, really based out of 11 and 12. 
fast pace, one word calls and RPOs. And, and so that's, that's who we are, but, you know, just being the way in our quarterback, even though he's a sophomore was just really even keel. He's a little bit of an introvert anyway, which is a, a unique characteristic to have in a quarterback when, when he has that natural personality of not getting too high anyway, which is great. That's what you want. And, and so he was even killed or running back was a returning starter, but, and then receivers, we just spread the ball around. And, but you never had, you know, we've all had those teams where a guy hadn't touched the ball early. And by the time he's getting to halftime, maybe he's getting antsy because he didn't, he hadn't touched it at all. And, and, you know, not really saying nothing, but you can tell by body language, you know, sometimes people getting uh, frustrated with that. We never had that. There, there was games where our number one receiver might not catch a ball. And then he would just be just as happy. As, as if he games that he called seven because there were games he did that and vice versa with our running back. Just never really being in there where he was chasing stats or yard lines or numbers. Or, and God, I, man, I feel like I'm not giving anything worth the crap because I'm giving a bunch of cliches. But, man, we just really did have such a unique group of guys that they – like we didn't even have to sell it that hard to them. They were bought into that idea – just taking what the defense gives you and and working hard for each other. And but offensively, that's what we are. We've been that, you know, since the Griffin days. We now we're a lot more tight in and 12 personnel now since Moultrie. I kind of got into that in Moultrie and and carried it over here. I, I just I really like that. I like the run game that you can get out of 11 and 12. So we kind of get into that a lot more than 10 now and, and playing fast. Just really, I really believe in playing fast and having a lot of one word calls. No, I, th- I think what you said is extremely valuable to understand your leading wide receiver in one game might not catch a ball in the next game, and he's completely satisfied with that because when you have a really good team but you have that guy who is selfish, he can tear the team apart. And we've all seen teams like that. We've all been on teams like that, coach teams like that. And so it just really kind of speaks to, I always say, what is team chemistry? Like, what is that? Like, is that even a thing? But it is a thing. And it's selflessness. And And it's fragile. Right. It's very fragile. And yeah, I mean, and so like, if you, if you have that, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, you went 15 and 0, you didn't lose a game and, you know, and, and, and you're going to, you have pivotal moments of, of each game where, I mean, a bad attitude can can change the out, outcome of, of the game. So, you know, it's 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 really cool to just talk about that because those are important. I know me as a coach, if I watch film and I see their best player upset on the sideline on film, I know if I eliminate that player in the game, put all my resources to eliminate that player, he will implode on the sideline and he will destroy the team. And and that just speaks to why you guys were so good this year. So let me ask you this, Coach. So 15 and 0 state. I want to add this real quick though, because yeah, you, go ahead. You got this. So the same kid, our, our number one receiver last year, all right, that played, uh, he he is a junior, a, a sophomore. He's a sophomore, gonna come back, be a junior. We pulled him in the office the first of January. And said, hey man, we're gonna move you to, to linebacker to play the nickel next year on defense because we think you'll, you know, it'd be better for the team to do that. And yes, sir, coach, sounds good. Wherever you want to play me. Yeah. That's your number one receiver from last year. 
Yeah, and that's so, all. I know, right? Man, I, I'm telling you, I get chilled. It's just, but we have a big deal here. And, and, and I'm a, you know, I've been saying this, I give credit to Will Orban. Will Orban, you know, kind of introduced me to this saying back in 2010. And I've, I've carried it with me every team I've went to. Every team can recite it back to me. But it's so true. A coach-driven team can be good. And and we're going to be coach-driven because we get paid to do this. And we'll we'll do things to drive us to make sure we're good. But a player-driven team can be great. And in order to win it all, you better have players driving the culture, being unselfish, and and really wanting to not let each other down. And that's the key. Now that's that's the holy grail. There's no there's no magic way to get there. There's no one way to get there, but we all got to try to get there to where the players are buying in and taking ownership. And until you get there, it's hard to really be great. Yeah. Well, you know, Coach, like I started this podcast a long time ago. And the reason why I started, because you're a reader, I would read books and all the books are is people who had went and interviewed successful people or successful organizations and they put all the data together, they compile everything. And and I think what's fun, what's fun about this and, and talking to you is like, what is team chemistry, right? Like, I mean, you're talking a little culture, all these are cliche words, but it, these are, these are things that win and what are they? How do I get it? Like, I mean, so I could ask you this, like, I mean, do you think that you did anything specific or or what was your strategy to get it to be so player driven and not coach driven? That's a good question. Given first off, looking for teachable moments, because there's so many times when there's a lesson there that you can teach off something that happens and you got to be ready to ad lib. And just teaching that moment. Like, I like the character ed stuff. And I like the 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 stuff that's just kind of ready to roll out. And week one, we're going to talk about this. And week two, we're going to talk about this. And week three. I mean, that's good. But you better make the most of the teachable moments in real time when the behaviors happen. Both good, acknowledging, hey, look what he just did. Isn't that great? That's what we want on our team. That's going to make us better. And, and really promoting that, but then also negative and, hey, we can't have this. See how this can hurt us. Like, I think that teaching in real time is so important. And I, I like a system. I love systems. I think, you know, I'm a system-based guy when I install. But I think when it comes to, it, it's like raising my own son, right? I can't go in there with a system to raise my son. Like, I can't go in there today and say, hey, we're on this chapter of me teaching you character. But, you know, if, if he don't clean up his room this morning, he didn't take the dog out. And I had to get, hey, man, you got to take the dog out. You want the dog? That's perfect. You already got your eight-year-old taking the dog out. You should, you, that, you're, I, I can't get my 11-year-old do that. So Yeah, I'm like, you. man, you, you wanted this dog now. This, this ain't my dog. It's yours. And so I'm teaching responsibility in this moment this morning that he didn't do it. It wasn't planned out. And I think building a culture and teaching character has to be taught in real time. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the character resources and things like that. And I I do a a daily uh, motivational uh, with our guys. But I think looking for the teachable moments and no different than raising children. uh, It's an art, man. It ain't a science. Okay. There's not going to be an X plus Y equals Z. You're going to be feeling your way through. Well, like the coach one time says, the daily fist fight. I mean, it's a you're you're looking for opportunities to grow, and then the next thing is is trying like crazy to teach with the carrot. 
and motivate with the carrot. There's going to be a time where you have to motivate with the rod and you have to discipline and you have to be firm. And, and we have to do that in our own household. But motivation with the carrot and motivation through positive reinforcement is, is definitely got a better chance for long lasting because that's when it's their decision to do it. That's when they're becoming player driven. They're doing it because they want to do it because of the incentive and the things it gives them instead of doing it because you said so. And so you've got to get it there, but you got to look for those opportunities. So, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think we do a good job of looking for, I had a teachable moment this morning in the first period with a kid on, on some things. And, and when you get that moment, teach the whole group, you know, don't be scared to call it out and confront it when it's bad, but also please acknowledge and motivate it and let everyone know when it's good. Right. Here's something I was thinking about, and, and I want you to talk about this, and I guarantee that you have somewhat of a strategy or you do it well. But I think one of the ways that you have got to cultivate a spirit or culture of selflessness is, is yes, with your players, but you also have to invest in building relationships with the parents because that's where the selfishness can get all out of whack as well. Talk a little bit about that. No, there's no doubt. You know, we're all parents, you know, most of us have kids. I mean, I've got mine. I go to the YMCA basketball game and, and they sub him out of the, they sub Cooper out of the basketball game. I'm sitting in the crowd too, like, man, what you subbing Cooper out for? You know, so we all got that as parents. So obviously our, our parents are gonna have that same thing if that's their baby. So no, obviously being able to uh, communicate, express genuine concern for all of them, but at the same token, also acknowledging the role, which is, you know, on Friday nights to win football games. You know, and so I think being trans transparent and authentic to parents is very vital. That's always I'm an open book. I'm very transparent. You know, sometimes that's been good for me. Sometimes I hadn't been, but it's who I am. I I, I I try to always be that way. I think over communicating with your parents is great. Now I have to I have to uh, I have to brag on my wife on that. My wife Melissa, who we are definitely a partner deal. We've been together. Jones Colquitt here, you know, we got married my first year as a head coach. And, uh, but she has done really good of always doing those communication pieces and sharing info and things like that with our parents. Because as coaches, sometimes we get bogged down and forget about that. And Lord knows teenage boys don't communicate nothing. But I think being authentic, when you have those parent meetings, being transparent, in a concerning way. I mean, there's even if you got to say something harsh and you got to say something direct, you can still do it in a very constructive way and be articulate about it to make it where it ain't so bad. You know what I mean? We don't have to be confrontational. No, absolutely. Well, Coach, here's my last question for you and might not even be one that you've thought about or you don't. you might not struggle with this, but I know – I know this. I mean, you 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 win the state championship. You're 15 and 0, and you're and you're enjoying it. But here you are. I know that you're working your tail off right now to try to win it again in 2024. And I always found such a struggle between the joy 
in the success, the joy in the process, but then battling that with, man, you're constantly striving for, you know, like you just won one. Now you want two, you're going to win two, you're going to want three. What are some ways that you balance yourself out? Yeah, I'm probably I'm not I'm I'm probably not the best one to answer on this one. I, I'm getting I'll say nobody this, I'm is. Getting, <laughs> I'm I'm getting better. I, I am I'm I'm getting better. Unfortunately, I tell people all this. I battle this demon, and and I'm I do think I am getting better at it. I, I'm no I'm nowhere cured, but unfortunately, I know I'm motivated, and I bet you a lot of countries will admit this deep down. I'm motivated by the fear of failure way more than the the, the uh, pride of joy from success. I, I am always so scared of failing and the feelings that come from that way more than the prize that comes at the end. And that's an unhealthy way to have motivation and, can, and, and, and not good. And so I'm always battling that. And I think I've got a lot better at that. I love the process. I'm, I'm that weird coach. And I tell people this all the time. It's the truth. I would, I would coach football and never play a game. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I could go to practice, go to the weight room, work on getting faster and stronger, work on installing plays and never have a Friday night to go play. I could, I could do that and enjoy it. I like that. I like the growth of a man. I love to see him improve and things like that. I get is truly enjoyable to me. I don't have no hobbies. I don't, I don't golf. I don't fish. I don't hunt. I love spending time with my family. Bought me a dead gum travel trailer, man. I'm thinking to get into the camping world, baby. Get you some yeah. of that. Because I want to spend time with them. And so I want to spend quality time when I'm away. I'm trying to do a better job with that. But this is, this is a, I'm blessed, man. I I get to to work a job that I, I truly love. Like I love being around young people and they're teenagers and we were all teenagers and they do teenager stuff. But man, it's just so much fun to see the growth in them and to see them evolve from these, you know, young teenagers that's 14 years old to these young men that are 18 when they leave you. And then football is just such a great sport. And so I love being a part of that because football has so many transferable skills. I mean, the skills you learn playing football and the brotherhood you have is transferable to anything you're going to do. I mean, the, the, the area of toughness, having mental toughness of doing what's right not what's easy is a, is a skill that it doesn't matter what you choose in the rest of your life. That skill will carry you. Heck, if you're going to be a husband, a father, you better have toughness, you know, to be able to get through some difficult times. Uh, the idea of discipline, you know, of being able to do what you say you're going to do is a, a transferable skill. And then the camaraderie of a football locker room, brother. If America could ever figure out and see what that felt like, we could solve a lot of problems. Because in that football locker room, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, Hispanic. It doesn't matter if you're a big guy, small guy, fast guy, slow guy, powerful guy, weak guy. In that locker room, man, we all just want the same thing. And we all just trying to get there together and survive camp and survive the summer heat and and just be in this and how can you help me? And it's, Bill Curry's book is phenomenal if you've never read it the guys you meet in the huddle. And I just think football embodies all that is good in our world. And just, and so that's why I just, I love what I do. I, I, you say, you know, getting motivated for the next one. You know, we, we have a mantra that we've had with us since 
shoot, 2012 at Griffin, win today. And it ain't a slogan on a T-shirt for me. It's a belief system. And it's trying to have just the best day I can have today and and being truly invested in the things that I'm doing today and I'm involved in. And if you'll do that day in, day out, and it sounds simple, but it's really hard to do, even though it sounds like such a simple concept. But if you will do that, it things typically work out. Coach, the hardest thing in life is to be consistent. You talked about a diet earlier. You know, the reason why most people can't lose weight is not because they don't know how, it's because they won't be consistent. Same thing with kids in the weight room, all this kind of stuff. All right, last question for you. What's one thing, one way, it could be anything that you are trying to get better? Could be your football team, could be you as a coach, whatever, in 2024. What do you want to be better at? Oh man, that's a that's a great question there too. What do we need to get better at? I mean, I golly, man, I don't want to sound spontaneous like, question. You know, like what's like because it's kind of like when you ask spontaneous, it's like what have you been thinking about? Like, I yeah, mean, right now the thing I can it's consistency. I mean, and but I don't want to give that answer because we just talked about it, so it seems like a cop out. I mean, so feel free to ask me another question of. But I mean, really, that is it. I mean, that is the holy grail. That is what you're fighting for. That's the thing that you're trying to get is 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 being at that consistent level. That you know, yeah. I, I had a whole superintendent I worked for that always used to say, and I've stole it. It ain't how good you are in your good days; it's how good you are in your bad days. And so, and that's consistency. I mean, that's that's a consistency question. Saying that, you know, can you still bring great energy, excitement, motivation? And then also, not only that, be educated. Like, you got to know your stuff now. I mean, you can't go out there and be a rah-rah guy. You better know your X and O's. You better know your technique, foot placement, hand placement, eye placement. And so can you stay at the ahead of the curve? Because that's me when I'm doing some film study and stuff. Because, I, you know, I tell my kids, I mean, I'm, I get up at five and I'm, I always I read a chapter in a book. And then I usually watch a video on some kind of technique that I'm in the process of studying. Like right now, I'm looking at wide receiver development. And, you know, I've watched videos my whole life, but I always feel like I got to grow. I got to improve. I got to invest in me. If I if I tell my kids they got to do that, then I'm a hypocrite if I ain't trying to, to grow and improve at 45. So being consistent of having a growth mindset is something that I know I want to continue to get better at and improve. And I think if I can embody that in our young people to improve their to be consistent and have that growth mindset of every day striving to be better, you know, then offense, defense, special teams, getting bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, all those things that normal people would say that they want to improve on, well, those things are a byproduct of the growth mindset and consistently striving to get better. Absolutely. I don't know it's not like a pop-out answer. No, that's a good answer. Like, <laughs> But I think it's the truth. Hey, listen, it's, this thing, for me, it's all about finding little things from people to help me get better, help other people get better, and just a source of encouragement. And, you know, I think I say, you know, like there's five things, like there's consistency, there's commitment, there's intensity, there's execution, and there's perseverance. And that those sound simple, right? But to wake up and give your best every single day, like you're talking about win the day, like that is hard. Like yeah. it's easy to talk about. It's yeah. hard to do. It is. It's we have a saying and we always talk about we don't need to know more, we need to do more. Isn't that pretty much everybody in the world right now? Yep. We don't need to know more. We know what we need to do in order to to live a fulfilling life. 
and and be successful at the same time. It's will we do it day in, day out, or do give in to our feelings when we get the poor me's? And look now, I'm guilty now. I don't, don't, don't look up here like I got this thing figured out because I got these same battles and demons I have to fight day in, day out when my feelings try to get the best of me. That's right. But, you know, and that's that's cool that, you know, you're raising up a group there at, you know, the boys that you coach and you're teaching them how to win the day and suck up, suck up their feelings and and get after it. Well, coach, you know, it's 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 been a pleasure. Uh, I don't want to waste any more of your time. I'm so thankful that you came on. Wish you nothing but the best of luck here in in 2024. If, If you don't mind, I'd like to pray for us as we end. Yes, sir. Absolutely love it. I'm, in fact, I'm glad you're back doing this again. I'm a big podcast guy when I drive into work. So, you know, I always make my son, I, I take my son Cooper to work every day. So he has to listen to it. So he's already listened to Kevin, Kevin Smith's and we listened to Bonds this, this morning driving in. So I've enjoyed listening to your podcast too, brother. So I appreciate what you're doing. Yes, sir. Thanks, man. All right, let's pray. Lord, we're coming for you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. Praise and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, I just praise and thank you for coaches like Coach Rogers and just everything that he stands for, Lord, and and, and what he's teaching those boys and, and what he means to the community there at Thomas County Central. Praise and thank you for just a great season that he had. I know I enjoyed watching the state championship game. It's the first time I got to watch his team this year. And I just really appreciate how he carries himself um, and what a great example he is for other coaches across the state and even country. Lord, just continue to bless his efforts, bless his, and bless all the people at Thomas County Central. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Coach, appreciate it. Thank you, bro. Yes, sir.